Kivulais. They go out Kivulais. They may go out on Shabbos in a state called Kivulais. My Kivulais. What does Kivulais mean? Says the Gemara Shemechablin Aliyashalohen Limata Kedeshalayalu Aleyan Hazacharim. The the word Mechablin with a cuff is kind of like Kavli uh, Barza. I mean, chain doesn't really mean chains, but ties. Um, they they would tie up their tails in such a fashion that the males would find them inaccessible for mating purposes. My mashma the haikivu lishten the loy avid peirihu. How do we know what is there kind of a remez in the word kivul or kivulis that uh, we're referring to a uh, a setup which prevents reproduction that does not uh, allow for the production of fruit literally the sieve says says this is a pasuk in Malachim Aleph and it's a reference to after Shlomo HaMelech and Chiron the king of Tzur the Phoenician king cooperated on a whole uh, a number of things so Shlomo HaMelech gifted him a whole group of towns in the north of Eretz Yisrael but he kind of uh, didn't really give him the nicest towns he, he, he pulled a little diplomatic shtick and he gave him some low quality areas. So what happened? So Hiram takes a look at the land he gave him and he says, It says Lohem, but it should read Lohem Eretz Kivu. Hiram complains to Shlaim, he says, What are these cities? What are these towns that you have given me, my brother? And he called them Eretz Kivul Adehimaze. And he called it Eretz Kivul, the land of Kivul. My Eretz Kivul, but what's the so what, what's the literal meaning of the word Kivul? The people of the towns were uh, decorated, adorned with gold and silver. Amali Rabba Ihachi says 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 Rabba Ihachi. If that's the case, Hainu Dixiv, and they again correct the quotation of the pasuk. Hainu Dixiv Viloi Yashru Beinov. That is exactly why Hiram was unhappy. Says the Gemara, if Nation Mukhobal Mekasev Zav Loi Yashru Beinov. Does that make sense? Uh, people who are loaded down in gold and silver, that sounds like an affluent populace. That sounds like exactly who the, the type of uh, land, the type of city that you want to be the king over. Says the Gemara, Amar Lei, in Kemenda Atiri, Umefanki, Lei Avdi Avitta. They're too bourgeois, these people. They won't work um, they, because they're, they're too wealthy and they're not very helpful. It's not so, uh, you don't really, it's not, it's not helpful as a king they have a populace that won't lift their hands. So they were just lazy people and they did not have a, a work ethic and therefore uh, Hiram was unhappy even as he saw how wealthy they were. Okay. Rav presents a different act. He says Eretz Chaimtenhoyser was damaged uh, hard salted land or alkaline land so why is it called Kivul? Because the um, uh, the, uh, the if when you're walking on it, the, the ground becomes, uh, I guess when it rains or something, the ground becomes swampy. It's not good soil that absorbs evenly and nicely, um, absorbs water evenly and nicely. You just get puddles and swamps everywhere. And when you're walking on it, uh, your leg would sink in, ad kavla, 
until the ankle. So this is not a good thing. That's going to plant rice, maybe. The Amriyinchi, Aramikadla, Deloy, Ovid, Pedra. Right, in that type of land, people always say, um, is not fruitful, is not, uh, doesn't provide good, um, good uh, farming land. Okay, so that's the source of the word of uh, the source of the word kivulas. Then we said that ewes can also not, they're also not permitted to go out on Shabbos kivunois. My kivunois says the Gemara milas. A very interesting thing. There's something called milas. Milas is fine wool. So how do you produce the finest quality of wool? So it's kind of how like you produce veal. Uh, you, in a different sense, right? So you would take if you have a young sheep that's um, that's uh, that I guess has particularly uh, good promise, maybe genetics-wise, for good wool. So what they would do is they would put a sort of a covering over its body as from, from when it's very young, as soon as it begins to develop its wool. And that way, the wool never gets dirty, never gets muddy, never gets rained on. And once it's mature, you have a coat of very, very, uh, like, uh, beautiful, untouched wool. That's a, good, that's a good thing, of course. Um, and you're able to resell it for that purpose. You're able to sell the wool at a higher uh, price point. Kindatanan says the Gemara, Se'es Ketzemer Lavan. We know that Se'es, in the parasha we just Lained last week, Se'es, um, right? Se'es, I said, it's a type of negatoras. So Se'es is white, like white wool. Night summer love. So what do you mean white wool? All wool is white, right? The answer is no, some wool is whiter than the other wool. Um, right, and in reference to that, Rabbi Barabaya says that, actually, Rabbi Foley Barabaya says that uh, it's like clean wool. Um, clean wool which has been uh, covered over to preserve it for clay milas, for high quality milas wool. Okay. Uh, very well. Excuse me. Okay. The ha'izim yoitzais We said that goats, right? Um, uh, goats can go out to the machlekes tanikama, but who's in Rabbi about goats going out with their udders tied up, right? The Tanakhama says that goats can go out with their udders tied up, general statement, blanket statement. Rabbi Yossi says they can't go out ever um, uh, in any situation with their udders tied up. And finally, Rabbi Yehuda says that they can go out with their udders tied up for drying up, tying, tied up in the fashion that you use to stop lactation, which is very tight and not likely to fall off, but not... Um, in the fashion that you use to catch any milk that drifts, which is a lighter tie, may end up falling off. Itmar says the Gemara, Rav Omar Halach Rav says that Allah is like Rabbi Huda. Allah is like Rabbi Huda, who makes a distinction between very tightly tied others and not so tightly tied others. Shmuel Omar Halacha Shmuel says that Allah is like Rabbi Yaisi, who says it's always forbidden across the board. Some people have this as a freestanding statement, right? In other words, it's not in reference to the Mishnah. Rav says it's permissible to allow the goats to go out in public uh, on Shabbos with uh, with their udders tied up um, in the fashion that you tie up udders to halt lactation, but not uh, not in the uh, in the way they are tied to catch the milk, because that's not a tight enough tie, 
just just the opinion of Yehuda. Shmuel says both are forbidden. Okay. It's funny because normally we would say like we wouldn't really we wouldn't let Rav and Shmuel get away with just taking two sides of Machlekes uh, Tanoim and acting as if it's their original Machlekes. It's an interesting thing. Um, okay, that's just. But it's, I suppose since the Gemara anyway has a version of Rav where they are referring to the Mishnah, we're not so bothered by it. Um, we shouldn't be right. So uh, the the um, excuse me. There were those who read it as follows. Goats can go out tied up in the way that uh, you use to halt lactation, not the other way. However, we should read them while that is true, it's extremely difficult to determine to determine uh, you know to have some kind of uniform policy to prevent people from abusing this dispensation because we can't go around inspecting everyone's goat udders. That's just not a tenable uh, um, uh, scenario. So what then should we do? I mean, Mephis, who's going to cast a lot? Who's going to who's going to who's going to you know magically pick out whose goats? Are properly attired for Shabbos and whose aren't. Um, it's a very, very unenforceable situation. So therefore, when we touch Ein Makirim, So therefore, because we can make sense of it, Ultimately, we forbid both scenarios. Um, and Shmuel comments that the Shmuel never was saying. I'm paskining not like Rabbi Yossi, right? I'm paskining not, excuse me, I'm paskining like Rabbi Yossi, not like Rabbi Yossi. He was just saying, while I can see that Rabbi Yehuda has a point that Me'ikar Hadin, it should be permissible to uh, at least allow the very tightly tied uh, goats to go out. However, because of what Rabbi Yehuda said, it's not enforceable. So he wasn't really paskining like Rabbi Yossi. He was really agreeing with Rabbi Yehuda, but paskining like Rabbi Yossi. He also wrote an Amr. Rabbi Yechanan halacha ketanakama. Rabbi says, "Rabbi Yechanan, the halacha is like the tanakam." Okay. Very well, Nuvishta. Ubama any yitzah. What is an animal not permitted to go out with? Lo yitzah gamal b'metul teles. Lo akud v'loy rabu. A camel should not go out with a metul teles. Metul teles is a, 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 a right. Some question exactly what it means, but the the pshat that seems to work best is a sort of blanket, um, a camel blanket. And loy akud v'loy rogel. Akud and rogel, we're going to see in the Gemara soon, they are, are descriptions of various ways that they would uh, tie the camel up, basically how they would park their camels so they wouldn't run away while they were doing other things. V'chein sharkal v'heimois. And other animals, loy, uh, all other animals have the same restrictions. Loy... Um, you shouldn't tie the camels uh, in a conga line uh, one to another along all along one rope and draw them through the streets what you can do is you can grab all the leashes all the ropes and you can pull with one tonight with one condition that you should not wrap them together so we're going to explain all the parts of this mission in detail says the Gemara, 
The camel should not go out with a blanket which is tied by its tail. You can uh, allow the camel um, to uh, you, you can you can go out with a with a uh, a blanket which is tied by its tail and by its hump. Um, okay. Rabbi Huna throws out there is another scenario where a camel is allowed to go out if the blanket or the covering is attached to its shilya, to its afterbirth. I don't know how that works um, because that way we're very, that, that's apparently a very efficient way of making sure it doesn't shake off the covering because it would be very, it's painful for it to, uh, to shake off the covering. I don't know, to me it sounds uh, a little. I don't, I don't know how that's workable. Okay. So what does Akud and Rago mean? Amr of Yehuda. Akud akedas yad v'regel. Akud is binding the hand to the foot, right? In other words, the foreleg to the to the back leg, right? Why is that? Akud ki yitzchuk ben Avram. That's the akeda, right? That's that's what we're talking about. The hogtie. Right? So it was a way of uh, putting the camel in park so it wouldn't run away while you were unloading it or whatever. Um... You shouldn't. Uh, what you're not permitted to do is to tie its um, its uh, its um, its front leg up, basically one of its legs up and uh, uh, fold it over itself and tie it together. It sounds like something. Uh, I'm not really sure how the camel is able to walk around at all in this state because I might, you know. It's meant to slow it down. I guess if you have four legs and one of them is tied up, so that's a little more workable. I'm not sure. But apparently, that this was a thing, but you should not go out like this on shops. Okay? Um, Mace Fading more asks, Akud, what does Akud mean? We have some kind of two hands and two feet. Right? Totally hogtied. Rogel Shaloi, not one, not one hand to one foot, not one foreleg to one back leg, but all of them tied to all of them. Both of them tied to both of them, I should say. Rogel, and what does Rogel mean? Shaloi Yachov Yadu Gavi Zoyaviksha. Right, that's in line with what we said, this folding over the front leg. Says the Gemara, Huda Amarki Hai Tana. He was saying, or he was saying, like a different Tana. Hogtied means, right? Akud means one hand tied to one foot or two hands tied to two feet. The first case and the last case work out great. But that middle case, he dropped one more common. He said, oh, and it's also if two, two hands or two forelegs are tied to two back legs. Rabbi Huda never said that. Rabbi Huda always said that in Rabbi Huda's statement, it was only one le- one front leg to one back leg. So he can't be like that Tana and leave out one of his cases. Says the Gemara, Elahu Damarki Hai Tani is yet a different Tana. Okay, I came to Yad Yad Rebbe gets a bit of Ram. Ruggles Shlayafirel Gavizoy Vikshar. So he's quoting this Tana Mamish word for word. So there are actually three different opinions as to how to translate Akud. Okay. The Layiksha Gemalin. So you shouldn't tie all the camels together. My time, looks like you're going to take them to market. When you have a whole string of camels on one rope, it looks like you're going to sell camels. It's totally inappropriate for Shabbos. Okay. So we said that you can hold all the ropes, uh, all the ropes at the same time. So he can put all the ropes together in his hand. 
the whole discussion, the whole point about uh, you not putting uh, about not putting all the um, uh, uh, about about the that it's permissible to put all of the, all of your ropes together in one place in your hand, but you can't tie them together. Basically, you can't you can't braid them together. That is a climb issue. That just has to do with the issue of climb. Now, it's not specified what kind of climb. So the Gemara has climbed them up. Hold on. Elaine the climb the Adam. If what you mean to say is that me, I as the person holding the camels and all the camels together, we're all now drawing on one rope. And since we're drawing on one rope, you might argue that it's climb. It's a human pushing a plow or pushing anything, a rope, a burden, with animals. It's a mixture of forbidden animal, a forbidden mixture of animals. There's more about that. It's not true. A person's always uh, that that halacha doesn't apply to people. If you want to get on the uh, get under the yoke and draw the uh, plow together with your cattle, that's okay. You're permitted to do that. Says the Gemara. So we must be in a case where the ropes are made out of different materials, and some of them are wool and some of them are linen. I don't know how wool, how well a woolen rope works. Um, I don't know, well, linen works, but whatever it is, the point is that some are wool, some are linen, so it's a concern of climb of shyness. Says the Gemara, Tanya Tikifa Achas, right? And why is it again? Why is it concerned? Because you have this nice thick rope in your hands. Rashi says you you're, you're warming yourself with it. You're uh, it's almost like you're wearing it. So says the Gemara. Somebody who wraps one wrap or one knot, right? So uh, this is not true climb. This is not really real shatnes. Uh, if you're just wrap, wrapping something around the other, that's not shatnes. Shatnes is a kashashal kayama, a really uh, properly attached um, thread or rope. So I think more, much more. Excuse me, I jumped down a line. Right? Really, we are indeed talking about the climb of the ropes. This is what we're saying. And as long as you don't double things over to the extent that it would become a problem of climb. Right? It doesn't mean one tie. You can do one wrap. But once you start doubling up wraps and knots, then uh, already that's real climb. Amar Shmuel. Shmuel adds another caveat. The rope can't stick more than a tefach, a hand's breadth, out of your hand. Right? In other words, the part that's after your hand can't be more than a tefach. It says the Gemara of Tanah de Beishmul Tfachayim. So Tanah de Beishmul is an interesting phrase. Um, it means a sage of Shmuel's house, um, which is why into so often. Didn't someone, one of Shmuel's guys, teach that uh, has to be tfuch, that, that, that up to Tfachayim is permissible, up to two Tfachim is permissible? Amr Abaya hashted Amr Shmuel Tefach. Shmuel was telling us practically what the halacha is. He was saying that while technically up to tefachim, up to two tefachim, is permissible to leave sticking out from your hand. However, since there's a risk that you're going to uh, that you're going to um, uh, you know you're going to mess up, sorry, it's the time It's hard to pin down a measurement like that. So therefore, he suggests Shmuel suggests that you keep it too. Uh, one tefach, and that way you won't end up hitting the red line of tefachayim of two tefachim. Okay? Um, and again, the reason that this is forbidden in the first place is that it looks like it, if you have that much rope hanging out of your hand, it looks like you're just carrying a rope. It stops looking like you're holding a leash and starts looking like you're just carrying a rope. 
So again, even though technically you're not just carrying the rope, you're, you're holding a rope that's attached to an animal that's able to walk on its own. But nonetheless, um, nonetheless, it looks like you're trying to, it looks like you're carrying, and therefore it's not correct the mouse. Vilhatanya, turning the page. This is more of a Tanya Ubavachi Akbiamanakarka Tafak. Don't we have a Brahsa source which says that uh, you have to just keep the rope a tefach away from the ground, but the implication is you can let it hang as many hands breadths tfachim amis or whatever of rope can be hanging down as you want. Uh, where do you find two tfachim? That's a reference to the rope that's in between my hand and the animal, not the part of the rope that's sticking out of my hand. The rope that's in between my hand and the animal. Rashi explains that uh, if you let it hang down more than a tefach, it starts again looking like you're, um, um, uh, like you're just, uh, like, like, uh, like, or it looks like the animal is just carrying a rope. Um, presumably, it doesn't look like you're carrying a rope because it's less than a tefach, less than two tefachim out of your hand. But it looks like the animal is merely carrying a rope, and it's not evident that you are holding a rope which is leading the animal. And it looks like the animal is bearing a load. We don't want the animal to be bearing a load on Shabbos. Again, it's not that it actually is, it looks like it is. Okay. New Mishnah. The donkey cannot go out with the merdas, with the saddle blanket, when it's not tied onto it. And not with a uh, bell, even though it is stuffed up, so it doesn't make noise. And not with the ladder which is on its neck. Okay? And not with the strap that is uh, on its feet. And more is going to explain all these things. Chickens can't go out with uh, threads, right? They would tie threads. But more is going to really explain what all these things are, so I'm not going to bother. We're going to get to it in a moment. Um, and not with the uh, straps that connect their feet. Um, male sheep can't go out with a little wagon which goes under their tails. That'll all be explained. cannot go out, use cannot go out. A calf does not go out with a gimoin. Um, uh, a cow does not go out with the orha kupar is a hedgehog skin. Why is a cow wearing a hedgehog skin? We'll get there. Um, now with the strap which is between its horns, we had that a little earlier. Rabbi cow would go out and have this ritzua that had a strap between its horns. Very strange thing. Rabbi flouted the rules very publicly. Okay? We will see what's going on in all these cases. Says the Gemara, my time kid the Amram. This is one of my. Uh, uh, <laughs> I enjoy this piece of Gemara. My time kid Amram. What's the reason? Because of what I told you. But it's referring to the first case, it's referring to Hamar, to the donkey, and saying, right, why can't it wear a blanket? Kid the Amram, because of the same reason, because it might come to fall off, and you'll pick it up. Veloy bezuk, afal pishu upak, and not with a. Um, uh, um, now with a bell, right? I'm sorry. Uh, in, in, actually, the my time with Amron, I should note, Rashi actually says more specifically that because you were not miyachid, because you didn't make a point of tying it on from Arab Shabbos, right? Like the Gemara says, you have to tie it on from Arab Shabbos. And of course, we didn't make a point of doing that. You've demonstrated you have not demonstrated your intent to make it a garment, 
and not a burden. So therefore, um, it counts as a burden, and you cannot uh, assume that um, that you're allowed to go out. You're allowed to take. You, you, it is not permitted to take your donkey out with such a burden. Okay. You can't go out with a bell even though it's stuffed. Why the Because again, that's the type of thing you would do if you're going to sell a donkey. That's not correct. To do on Shabbos. Um, and not with the sulam, the ladder, which is uh, on its neck. Says the Gemara. Says the Gemara. Um, it is attached next to the lechi, next to the cheek. What's it there for? Something you, it's like a, some, it's, I don't know, the word ladder, maybe it looks kind of like a ladder. It's supposed to prevent the donkey if it has a cut or a scab or something, and donkeys are not very bright. So they keep biting at the scab and keep making it worse and worse. So you have to stop them, right? It's like one of those cone collars they give to dogs. You have to stop them from biting at it. So therefore, um, uh, therefore, you put this wooden contraption that prevents it from turning its head backwards like that. Okay. Um, right? Why does it have a strap on its feet? Says the Gemara, the Avdilei le Gizra is there to shorten its strides, right? If, because if it's not neat, some animals are not neat, and every time they walk, their knees knock together and they hurt themselves. So you have to sometimes use a leather strap of some kind, or a strap of some kind, doesn't matter what it's made out of, to shorten its stride so it doesn't knock its knees. Okay? The Avdilei Gizra, oh, the Avdilei Gizra, that's what we just started. The Avdilei, why would you tie a thread on a chicken? The Avdilei Simna Kiechelelechelfu, to mark whose chicken is whose. Right, I don't want to swap my chicken with uh, with Baruch's chicken. The Loi Birtsua, why is there a strap on chickens' feet? The You're trying to keep their legs relatively close together so that they can't kick um, pebbles around and break stuff. Right? They don't want, you don't want them to do that chicken scratching thing where they kick everything up and break everyone's glass. The aim has Male sheep can't go out. Rams can't go out with their little wagons. When they live in a, in a thorny spot, so they can really get an infected, uh, scraped-up tail by walking through thorny or rocky areas, so you give them a little wagon and their tail is safely protected in the little wagon. Interesting, I never saw such a thing. And all the sheep herding I've done in my life, I've never seen such a thing. Um, Rechelim cannot go out chanunais. What does that mean? Rechelim explained in front of Rechelim as follows. From shearing time, and they take a big uh, chunk of wool or, or cotton and they soak it in oil, and they rest it on its forehead. We don't want it to get cold. I don't know, I suppose this is like a good insulator. It's like a little hat for sheep. You give it a little hat. <laughs> you're making the sheep into marukfa. You're making it into a, a high society, right? You're giving it the royal treatment. Marukfa was a very chashev. He's a big town chacham. He was a big vir. He was very wealthy. So you're making this this sheep into into the king of the world. So that's a strange way to treat a sheep. It doesn't make sense. So Papa Bashmol tries tries to answer. He says, at the time that it squats to give birth. 
right? You take two uh, pads of uh, wool and you soak them in oil. You take it and you put it um, um, on the uh, on one on its head and one on its rechem, one on its uh, on its um, womb. I'm not sure exactly where in on top. So that it should heat up. Says the Gemara, I'm Leir Nachman, I'm Kain Asisa Yalta. That's his wife. Rav Nachman says, I'm Kain Asisa Yalta. You're treating this sheep, Mamish, like Yalta, who's my, my wife, who's such a hush of a woman. This is a sheep. This is not such a, this is not exactly how uh, one treats a sheep. Ella, I'm Rav Huna. Finally, Rav Huna said, Eitz Echad Yesh Bekrache Ayam. There's a type of wood they have out in the islands. Ve Chanun Shemoy. It's called Chanun. They take a twig of this uh, wood and they place it in the sheep's nostril. Kedei, why? We want it to sneeze. Why do we want it to sneeze? The worms will fall off its head. Right? We don't want animals to have worms. They sneeze every now and then. The worms fall off. Right? We don't want males to have worms either. Tomorrow, came in the Megan, the Menagchi, Zachar and Baadadi, since the uh, the males butt heads constantly, Menela Naflon, the worms fall on their own. Okay? It says, Demara, Shimon Gezera, Shimon Nazira, excuse me, Omar, Kisma de Rizma. Shimon Nazira says, it's a Kisma, this saying this twig is from a uh, a tree called Rizma, which I uh, understand is called a broom tree, although that didn't really help me picture it. But there is something called a broom tree, and that's where the twig is from. I understand according to Ravuna, Ravuna is saying the wood is from a tree called Chanun, right? But according to Shimon, Shimon Nazira, what exactly is this tree called Chanun? Uh, why exactly is this, is this, excuse me, are these sheep called Chanunais uh, if, the, if the twig is not from the Chanun tree, it's from the uh, broom tree? Says the Gemara. Um, Oh no, excuse me, I, I said that wrong. I understand according to Rafuna um, why we said Chanunis, Elder Abbanan, right? Even more than Shimon. I, this Kasha can apply to Shimon as well. But even according, according to the uh, to the uh, Rabbanan, according to the other opinion, my Chanunis, what exactly is the, right, all the other uh, all the other quotes that we came up with, why is it called Chanunis, right? I suppose, I suppose the Rabbanan includes Shimon Nazir as well, yeah. All the other chapters we came up with, why is it called Chanunais? Right? What, what, if there's no Chanun tree involved, so why does the word Chanunais make sense? So it's the Gemara, the Abdinan Luhu Milsa de We do something for them which is Rachmanus, which is mercy, because we're concerned for their well being. So that is a good example of Chanun, right? Chanun Barachum. So therefore, we use the word Chanunais. Okay. The calf does not go out with a gimoin. My egel begimoin. What does that mean? I'm Rabbi Nira. I'm Rabbi Lazar. My mashma the high gimoin lishna the mechaf the chsev halachuf keagmoin roishi. Right. So an agmoin is um I'm trying to remember the name of the tree um, that an agmoin is. Anyone has the art school? You can remind me. I don't remember which uh, whatever it was. It didn't ring a bell because now I don't. Um, I don't, uh, I don't remember, but the idea is, the idea is, it's like a a um, a, uh, a miniature, a little piece of wood, which is like a um, which is like a yoke. 
you're trying to kind of get it used to uh, you're trying to kind of get it used to the uh, the feeling of bearing a yoke. Can't remember the type of wood. Is it balsam wood? It's agmon, agmon wood. Okay. Very well. Yeah. Okay. So why is it, a cow cannot go out with a hedgehog skin? Why is it wearing a hedgehog skin? So there are crawling creatures which are called yali, alukais, um, some kind of uh, weird creature, maybe a centipede, or suggests, and we're afraid that it's going to come to uh, to drink the milk of the cow. I don't really know exactly how that works, but uh, it's a concern, and therefore. We um, we cover the cow's udders with hedgehog skins. Seems to be a kind of a hard commodity to get a hold of, and that makes sure that we don't have this problem. Okay, all right, it's for security. So the the strap between the horns, Rav, right? According to Rav, so it's Bain Lenoi Bain Lashamer also, right? Remember, this is the Machlekes from earlier. According to Rav, it depends whether the strap is there for. Uh, the, it doesn't. It doesn't matter, I should say, whether the strap is there for decoration or as a way of controlling the animal's movement. It's all forbidden. The shmuel and I also there. If it's according to shmuel, if it's there for controlling the animal's movement, then it is permissible. Okay. So we said that Rabbi Nazari's cow um, had the habit of going out with its strap um, between its horns, and it was against the will of the chacham. So the Gemara asks. First of all, is it true that Rabbi Lozman Azariah had one cow? He was a very wealthy man. Every year, Rabbi Lozman Azariah would take 12,000 uh, cows or, or, or calves from his flocks for just for Meiser. That was just a tenth of his holdings. He was very, very wealthy. Says the Gemara, Tana It wasn't his. El Shal It was his neighbor's. It belonged to his female neighbor. And but because he didn't say, Hey, excuse me, you're not supposed to do that on Shabbos. Nikre Sal So the Mishnah says, You know what, Rabbi Nazaria? From now on, this is your cow, right? Because he was held responsible for not correcting the behavior of his neighbor. Um, uh, excuse me, Rav. Rav and Chani and Rabbi Yehudah and Chaviva Masnu they taught as follows. Now, an aside, Bekulei say the Moed Kolki Haizuga Chalufi Rabbi Yehudah You should know whenever those are together throughout Seder Moed, that's like almost like someone must have penciled that in later on, right? Um, you should remove Rav Yehudah and replace him with Rav Yehudah. It's very interesting because Rav Yehudah was a big, big player. Rav Yehudah not as much, so you should realize that this group does not include Rav Yehudah. Okay. Call me. So what do they teach? Somebody who uh, had the opportunity to be meicha to say something to his household members who are doing something incorrect and he doesn't do so, so he's held responsible. So he's held responsible for his family's wrongdoing. The people of his town, again, if he's able to influence them, and he doesn't. The more influence you have, the more you are expected to use it for good. And if you have influence on the whole world, then you have to use it on the whole world for good. An example of people who have influence on the whole world is the people of the Reish Galusa's uh, political group. Because the Reish Galusa had control over the total 
Jewish community, and he has the and anything that's going wrong in anywhere of, in any Jewish area, he had the ability to influence. And if he didn't, he's held responsible. This is like something Rebchanina said. Because Baruch will come uh, in judgment with um, uh, the uh, the elders of his nation and his offers. Right? Right? Uh, I understand if the sarim, if the nobility, if the prominent families, you know, the stam, the fancy people, right? Okay, they might have said, but the zakenim, zakenim is the Sanhedrin. These are big tzaddikim that they sin. who comes and and exacts judgment. Um, and uh, does judgment on the elders for not complaining, for not stopping the sardin, the um, the nobles from making trouble. Okay, I think we will call it quits for the day.